Hi, and welcome to Come Read With Me, Rev Chris. Chris and David are currently off recording season three. Until then, check back here each week to hear one of Chris's sermons from the archive. Enjoy. Welcome again. I, am, I, I have a friend who I met at Theological College. Um, when, I was first, <clears throat> when I first started um, at Ridley Hall training to become a priest, this guy came up to me and he said, um, <clears throat> I've been praying for a while as just before coming to Theological College. Lord, who should I pray with in my time at priest school? And he said um, the Lord had given him a name, Chris. And I was like, I'm Chris, you know. And he was like, yeah, I think it's you. And I was like, great, okay. So um, we ended up praying together and we met um, week by week. And then 15 years have passed and we still meet up and pray together. And uh, he, he uh, is an amazing guy. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He um, has spoken into my life more than probably anyone else. And um, I'm godparent to his child, his second child, his daughter, Isabel. In fact, I named her, which is quite a funny story in that his first child, Sam, he could, they, couldn't, they, they, they found it really hard to name their child for so long. It's like weeks passed and it was like the baby was born. It was like just referred to as baby. So when the <laughs> second one came along, I was like praying and I was like sending him a text saying, hey mate, I don't know if you, um, if you found a name yet for your child. I know you struggled on the first one, but... I think Isabel's a really nice name. And like, he sent me a text straight away saying, oh my goodness, we've been really like worrying about the name again. And we had Isabel or another name. And, uh, and so, yes, we will call her that then. And that's pretty cool. Um, so Jerry uh, is a vicar. He's uh, in Hampton Wick and uh, he's a good friend. And um, Jerry, when he was 12, was made an orphan. His parents died in a plane crash and uh, quite a horrendous kind of condition. They were in South America uh, on an internal flight. And for some reason, the plane went down, killing both of his parents. And he was brought into the headmaster's office and told. And um, just devastating news of a, of a, for a 12-year-old. And he had to go through all that. And the pain that that was for him, I, I can't imagine but he knows God and loves God now. And I don't know if you, I've had some experience with, um, in orphanages in, in my time in, in Tanzania, in Zanzibar. And whenever you are um, you know, in, in that kind of environment with orphan, orphanage, simply put your heart breaks, your heart breaks for children who don't have parents. Um, some of us in this life, we go through life with a sense of, I don't have a better way to explain to name it really, but like an orphan kind of spirit about us, where we go around and we feel we aren't loved, we're not connected, we're isolated, and we're distant from uh, the world and people around us. There is a, a lostness, sense of no security in some of us, and it can drive people to despair. The world um, can become this kind of seemingly impersonal cycle of nature, the image I get sometimes is like a boulder just aimlessly falling down a cliff face, crushing trees and vegetations left, right, with no sense of direction or anything. And it can feel like some people have a worldview like that. And it's devastating. And especially in times of great grief and pain, people can become detached because you think, how can anything carry on 
in the world in any sort of normal way when inside me there is such a storm going on, when there is such darkness and chaos? How can anyone be doing anything normal? And suddenly life becomes meaningless. And you're like, there's, there's nothing. There's no point to it. In uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth, uh, Macbeth describes life like this. Life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Cold vision of life. We can retreat from the world. We can lose any sense of belief and hope because to do that, to have that, leads us to potentially greater pain. But, Jesus, but for the whisper of the gospel in which Jesus says to us, I will not leave you as orphans. You are loved. And I want to think about this today. Jesus says this to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And he goes on to the famous passage about my father's house had many rooms. And I wouldn't have told you if, there, if it wasn't so. And I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. And I will bring you to be with me where I am so we can be together. And he says this in such compassion to his disciples because he knows he's about to leave them. And knowing that he's about to leave them, knowing he's about to go away, he comforts them with these words. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's really interesting that he uses that word, that phrase, orphan. Why? He could have used a number of different things. He could have said, I will not leave you lonely. I won't leave you isolated. But he says orphans. And it's to do with the Holy Spirit, I think, and what the Holy Spirit primary role is. He says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. He refers to the Holy Spirit as another advocate. The first thing to note is Jesus is one advocate. And he's saying the Holy Spirit is another advocate like Jesus. The Holy Spirit will live with you. The Spirit is around you in the world. When you rise, when you sleep, when you rest, when you play, the Holy Spirit is with you. He says also the Holy Spirit will be in you, living in you. Jesus says, I will come to you. I will be in you and I will live in you. And because I live, you will live. The Holy Spirit is the means by which you and I experience the victory of Jesus in the world. The Holy Spirit is Christ's victory made available to you. And I think ultimately 
that this victory is expressed in the understanding that you have a loving Father. Let me say that again. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to invite you into the victory that Christ has won and teach you that you have a loving Father. He then says, he goes on and says, you will know the Father. Again, this is the work of the Spirit. Because you will be found in Jesus and Jesus is found in you. Jesus is in the Father and you are therefore in the Father as you are in Jesus. And the way you are in Jesus is the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. If you know and love Jesus and the way to love him is to listen to him, to believe in him and obey him because love is action. Then you can know that Jesus is in you. And that you are in him. You are not an orphan. There is meaning and purpose to your life. Because the God who created all things calls you his own. You are seen and known and loved. And you, are, you have a place set for you in the heavenly banquet. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's a wonderful truth. You can live a life sanctified and consecrated to God because of the Holy Spirit living in you. And you can live out what it truly means to not be an orphan. You can live in constant relationship with the Father. There is a Catholic saint called St. Francis de Sales. And he was a very pious man, a very devout man. And he, um, he, he had a very um, private kind of sanctified holiness to his life. He had a lot of devotion in private. Uh, he's a Catholic saint, a patron saint of writers and Christian unity. And uh, he, he offered up that he said you can do three things in a sense to offer yourself to God. He said you can ask, offer and accept. So ask God to be present with you. Simple thing that you can do. He's basically saying every moment you can do this. Ask God to be present. As you wake up in the morning, ask him to be present. As you drive in your car, ask him to be present. As you get on the tube, as you go to work, as you go to the gym, even as you sit and watch Netflix or whatever it is, go to the hairdresser. You just ask God, be present with me. So ask. Then he said, offer. Francis was like, offer the time. Offer the time to God. Offer him in those spaces, in that randomness, in your daily walks, Offer him yourself and see what he does. So like, Lord, I offer you this time. Speak to me. Use this time. Use this show, this song, this walk, the environment, this time, whatever it is. Use it and to do something in me, to meet me in some way. So ask and offer. And then he said, uh, accept. Accept your condition. Accept what comes. Accept the 3 a.m. crying child. Accept it. God, you hear. I trust you. Accept missing the bus. It's a real freedom in what he's saying in this. Ask, offer, and accept, and be like, I trust you in this moment with this stuff. There is no moment when God is not present in your life. There is no moment when God is not worshipped in the, in, in the glory of heaven. 
And what we are doing in the action of our lives is seeking to live in the pattern that we will always live in for eternity. Seeking to live in a constant relationship of the truth of God and his presence with us. Knowledge, in the knowledge that we are not alone and that we are loved, that God is present and in us, and we're simply offering our lives back to him. And this is what sacramental living looks like, in a sense. It is living a Jesus-shaped life, and that is what we're called to, to acknowledge our place as not just, you know, some cells that are grouped together by some crazy fluke, but to acknowledge that you and I are created beings by a loving creator of the universe who wants your worship, who wants to be in relationship with you. And acknowledging that, live in that way. And that is truly living. To live in this way is is to live prophetically. To live a prophetic life. Because you are living in the now in the way you will live in eternity. In constant understanding of the perpetual blessing and presence of God in your life. And it's a wonderful thing. So let me track, as I come towards the close, this, this kind of arc of what I've been doing in this talk. The world is painful and tumultuous and it can lead you to despair, to lead you to a belief that you're alone and isolated and what you do doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. But Jesus, but for Jesus. Jesus teaches us that we are not alone that we are, in fact, deeply loved. That through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we can claim the victory of Jesus Christ. And he brings us into relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit teaches us we are loved by a loving Father. And then that with this knowledge and this truth, we see our lives engulfed in a greater vision. The vision that God casts upon the world And all things in which he says, I'm bringing all creation to myself in this world and to be completed in the next. And we are part of that vision. And that gives us our grounding. And as St. Paul says, and it says in the front of our pew sheets, in him we have, we live and move and have our very being. And this is a picture of what it means to be human, to be fully alive. We move from being lost and alone to being known and loved and given a great purpose and a true vision of who we are as the people of God. Amen.